Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to today's Live Inspired podcast episode. So glad that you're here with me today, and I'd love to stay connected with you all week long. Could you use a little inspiration beyond just this podcast? If you could, I hope you can, connect with me. I'm very active on social media, sharing positive, actionable thoughts and videos and posts about what could be inspiring to you right this moment. So find me on Facebook by searching John O'Leary Live Inspired. My Instagram handle is johnoleary.inspires. Or if you're hanging out on Twitter, the handle there is at jolearyinspires. Anywhere that you are on social media, we are hanging out as well. And we are sharing news that is elevating for you in your work, in your relationships, and in your life. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Live Inspired with John O'Leary. You know, I have the honor of not only bringing you the Live Inspired podcast weekly, but uh, my day job, if you will, is actually as a speaker. I, I speak all around the region, all around the country, and now all around the world. Well, while in Philadelphia, I was speaking at a conference at Warden College. It was on how to excel and really achieve greatness in leadership. It was back in March of 2017. I spoke for about an hour, walked off the stage, uh, got a couple hugs from a couple of the organizers. I'm grabbing my bag because the flight's right around the corner. And then I get tackled, not, not, not literally tackled, but it was close to it. A guy who I'd seen out of the audience actually came into the back area. He gave me this big hug. He had this huge smile on his face. And he said, you've got to meet my son. And, you know, many people share the stories of their upbringing or their parents or neighbors or their children with me. It's, a, it's an amazing part of doing what I do. I get to hear their stories. But there was something about his tone and sincerity and passion. And then he pulls out a CD and he hands me the CD that his son has created. I listen to this. I start learning more. I start being inspired by the story that you are going to be inspired by today. And you'll know why. Not only did I hug that man back then, but today I get to call his son. Not only our live inspired guest for the day, but my friend for life. My friends, I encourage you right now to buckle up, open wide your hearts, open even wider to your journals. You're going to want to take notes on this. It's not just about music. It's not just about rap. This is about life. It's about overcoming. It's about moving through the impossible to prove that it is possible. And so are we. I'm going to bring in now my friend. His name is Sparsh Shaw. Sparsh, welcome to Live Inspired with John O'Leary. Wow. Thank you so much, Mr. O'Leary. I have, (laughs) wow. There have been so many introductions that I have had the amazing pleasure of hearing. And this is by far one of the best introductions I've ever heard. Thank you so much. You're not getting paid for this podcast, regardless of how nice you are to me during it. You need to know that right now. Okay, my man. Don't worry. I've never done it for the money. I've done it to inspire. Well, you have done it to uh, be inspired. And the cool thing about doing that, Sparsh, is in doing it for that reason, it elevates those watching. And we're going to talk today about your music. We're going to talk about your career. We're going to talk about some huge bright lights that you have experienced. But before we talk about that stuff, I want to take take us all the way back to your mother, actually. 
your mother and your father came over to the United States um, at, in what year? Was it 2002? Um, I believe so, yeah. 2002, they came as first-generation Indian immigrants to the U.S. And not far into it, your mother finds out that she's expecting, she's going to have a, a child, she's going to have a little boy, and her and your dad start dreaming about what this little boy is. Your dad, in fact, has vivid dreams that he's going to be playing cricket, that he's going to be playing tennis, that he's going to be wrestling with this little man about to be born. And yet when you arrive, your father's dreams and probably your mother's dreams change dramatically. Tell us why. Well, uh, it's two words, osteogenesis imperfecta. And if you break down that word, oscar is bone, genesis is creation, and imperfecta, you just take out the letter A. The creation of my bones was imperfect. And osteogenesis imperfecta is basically just a genetic condition that makes my bones really brittle. And so my mom and dad both had the recessive gene, and I ended up coming out of my mother's womb with almost 30 to 40 fractures that pretty much occurred just as the water broke. So I, I want our listeners to hear that again. You are on the Live Inspired podcast and you're listening to the voice of a brave little man. His name again is Sparse Shaw. He's 15 years old now. He turned 16 in about a month and a half. But when he's born, he's born into the world with I think 32 or so broken bones and limited prospects of life. One of the, the more touching stories is that the doctors and nurses put in front of your mom and dad a do not resuscitate, a DNR. Uh, and they say, well, I think yes. you should sign this. And then your mother looked into your eyes. And when she looked into your eyes, uh, has she ever told you what she saw? She always did. <laughs> this was like the story I grew up with. And I'm so glad I grew up with it because I think it's inspired me. That's what has solely inspired me to realize my purpose in this life was just not about myself. And that, you know, she always told me that when she saw my eyes, you know, my eyes locked on to anybody that I set them to. And she saw a twinkle in my eyes and not just like a twinkle twinkle. She saw some sort of message in my eyes. And as if I was divinely speaking to her, like, mom, dad, I came into this world for a great reason and to change it forever. So don't worry, I will not die. Well, your eyes were speaking truth that she was going to find out just to what degree as you grew with her, although the journey forward was extraordinarily hard. Talk about brittle bone disease. Most of us are completely unfamiliar with it. So what does that mean? All it is that, well, I'm going to put it to you this way. I know, I guess a lot of us have gone through fractures in our lives, right? Mr. O'Leary, I'm <laughs> guessing you've also gone through one. So for, from now on, call me John and call me Brother John if you'd like. But uh, I've had I, a couple I, fractures among other injuries. And, and obviously, we all know how painful they are and how long they take to heal. Of course. Of course. So yeah, because of my um, brittle bone condition, I have suffered almost 130 fractures throughout my life and I'm still, you know, God, only God knows how many more I'll have. And I've broken pretty much everything from my arms to my legs, to my ribs, to in fact, when I was younger and it was in the winter, my dad was taking me home from school and he slipped from the driveway and I broke my skull. Mm. I almost had to have a surgery for it. And my mom and dad were basically praying all night that nothing of the sort would have to happen. And Miraculously, the blood stopped clotting from inside. It, it like completely stopped. I guess you could say I've gone through a lot, but hey, we all go through a lot, right? 
Yes, indeed. When, when did you realize that what you were going through wasn't what, what everyone else was going through? And, and uh, far from being just painful or a pain in the neck, this was, in some regards, unfair. When did you first realize as a child that this was very different than most kids' experiences in life? I guess I would say I've always had that realization. I feel like it just naturally came to me that, hey, I can't really walk. I can't do, um, stand, run around, play like other kids. Although I would say that it, it never really bothered me too much because, well, you know, I was like, hey, look, I have this is something that I've been given, something that I need to accept. And if I don't accept it later, you know, whether I accept it now or later, it's not going to change me. Right. And God gave me a set of cards. And well, as they say, you can't change the cards you dealt just how you play the hand. So I had to realize that very early on. And I'm glad I did because. Without that, I don't think I would be the positive person I am today. Have you always been positive? And if the answer is yes, what do you do to stay positive? Because the rest of us are seeking that medicine. So we're, we're longing in a marketplace of gloominess and it's cold outside and the markets are dropping and life is hard. And then along comes you, this kid that has been through everything twice, this kid who is stationary in a wheelchair that needs an awful lot of help and goes through an awful lot of pain. And you do it all with this big twinkle in your eye, this great voice we'll talk about in a moment, and a smile on your face. So wh where does your joy come from? Where does your peace and your, uh, that great optimism come from? Sure. I mean, we all go through, you know, rough times in life. I am obviously definitely not an exception. And of course, it's not just my fractures, you know. I've dealt with some storms in my life, but I think the main way that I stay positive is that I have firmly always believe that every single thing that happens in life is just part of God's big plan for us. I honestly feel like this is why I'm actually very thankful that I was born, as they say, disabled. Mm -hmm. As I say, I've dissed my disability. So it's not really a disability for me. It's an ability. But I truly believe that, you know, I'm thankful that God made me this way because then I could be a light to other people and show them that, you know, no matter what you go through in life, there's always a light at the end of the day. You just have to get through the darkness first. Through my rough times, I always just like to think that there's always a valley before the hill, but sometimes the deeper the valley, the higher the hill, you know? Right. Well, so you've, you've gone that. through some steep valleys and high hills. When you are in your wheelchair and you're in the family room and then you look over and your little brother is wrestling with your dad and you can't participate, what do you what do you feel just as a normal kid? Like, how do you feel when you see that, and what do you do with it? Well, I'll put it to you this way, um, in a dual perspective, because in fifth grade, that used to happen to me a lot when I was in elementary school. Because there was a part of my life where I did feel that way, where all the kids used to be outside in recess every day, and literally nobody wanted to play with me. I actually did feel pretty down in that moment. I don't get the opportunity to talk to that, talk to a lot of people about that, mm -hmm. but. Just to show y'all that, yes, I have been through those times of, of, you know, feeling very inferior to others. That, you know, when people used to play outside in recess, used to play without me, they just leave me out. And I used to feel like, oh, man, if only I could just join them and be with them, then my life would be so much better than it is now. But I know that when my brother wrestles with my dad, I just have the biggest smile on my face. Because I know they're having such a great time. And I may not be able to wrestle with them, 
You know, my brother makes me wrestle with him sometimes, <laughs> so without a choice. But um, even though I know that I can't wrestle with them, I know that they're having fun. And I just have fun with my brother in different ways. I have fun with my dad in different ways. And, you know, now that I think about it, it, my dad dreamt that I would be a cricket player. I would be a tennis player. I would be a swimmer. And right now, I guess my brother kind of took over my place for that. Yes, he has. You know, everything in life, it just perfectly fit. Well, what, what is perfectly fit for you is the movement away from cricket and tennis and swimming and towards singing. When did you first discover music? I would say that it's it's always been around me. Although my parents started to pick it up mostly when I was around like three years old. At that, Because at that time, I was mostly developing new skills. I started to read actually kind of fluently when I was three or three and a half. And around that time, also, my mom always used to play songs on the radio. We used to hear, uh, yeah, she used to play songs on her phone. We used to hear songs on the radio. I was surrounded by music all the time. So I wanted to sing almost everything. And when somebody didn't sing right, I would let them know on the spot that they weren't singing right. I may not. I may not have known anything about music theory, but, you know, I would try and tell them that they weren't singing right because I could just sense it. And I think that also comes from my mom, partly because my mom, I kind of say, is my, you know, vocal coach. She can she may not know music theory, but she was like me when I was little. She can tell me when I'm off and try to help me out. So I have started singing that way. And my mom and dad realized I had something. So yes. I started with piano classes. That didn't really work out, though, because the fact that I broke my arm so frequently mean, meant that I didn't have enough airtime on the piano. But my mom always told me that, you know, no matter how many bones you break in your life, your voice will never break. So at six years old, I started learning Indian classical music. So I started with a whole nother hemisphere of music. Mm -hmm. And I have been learning that for nine years. I've been learning Western vocal music kind of on and off for five years now. And, you know, since then, I've won a lot of music competitions and stuff. And I mean, I guess from there, it just skyrocketed. Well, it continues to skyrocket. And when I hear your story and I hear your sweet, beautiful, angelic voice, and it is awesome and it is good. It's clear. We're going to play it later on for you, my friends, listeners. I think to myself, I wonder who his big musical influences are. And I'm always surprised to learn, Sparsh, that one of your great heroes in music is Eminem, baby Slim Shady in the house. What, what is it about yes. Eminem that you like so much? I feel like the two, the two great things that I liked about him are, number one, his ability, and number two, his background. And by ability, I mean, like, I know, like, many people would disagree, and obviously this is a, an opinion, but I truly believe that without a doubt, Eminem is the greatest lyricist of all time to ever hit the rap industry. Wow. And, and I don't mean... I don't mean that in a biased way, but he literally read the dictionary to come to the level he was at. I have not heard of a lot of rappers, especially nowadays, with that kind of determination to be the best in the game. And he really, in that sense, stands as an example for me that, you know, if he could do that, I mean, he probably just had a dictionary. I'm blessed to have been given a rhyming dictionary in middle yeah. school. So that's, you know, one leg up, but... The fact that he practiced so hard to get to where he was and also his story yeah. that, you know, it's literally a rags to riches story. He came, you know, from a very, I guess you could say, impoverished life and background. And he 
what I think he failed the 10th grade twice. I'm in 10th grade right now. And as far as I know, I don't want to, I'm not failing that. But, you know. Well, you're not through yet, man. So uh, don't count your chickens before they hatch. That's true. Yeah. You have a song from him that you love, and it's called Not Afraid. What is it about the, the, the song Not Afraid that just moves you? I feel like what moved me was that his message was very inspirational. And I think that's what made me like Eminem in the first place. I always heard, you know about the dark side of Eminem, that he's a bad influence throughout my life, that, you know, because, and I've always avoided rap because of all the cursing and everything involved, but when I heard the song, I mean, despite all of that, I heard something different. I heard, like, you know, he came, he wrote that song after coming out of a big, you know, drug relapse and almost overdosing, and so I could really feel that his lyrics were genuine, and so I think that's what made me hooked into him, so I was like, you know what? I have to do a cover of it myself. And I did. Went in this, I practiced a lot for it. I went into the studio. And I currently, for that cover, of 75 million views on all social media sites. We're going to play that right now, Sparsh. I, I want our listeners to hear why 75 million, million listeners were moved by this song. And when we come back from it, I want you to walk us through the lyrics. So uh, I'm going to play the song right now for you. It's a, a song called Not Afraid. And it's by our guest. His name is Pure Rhythm. You may know him right now, though, as Sparsh Shaw. Sparsh, take it away. Here it is. Forget the earth, he's got the urge to pull himself from the dirt and curse the whole universe. I'm not- 
in the rhythm for you don't know what's a rap You said you was king, you lied through your teeth For that, curse of feelings Instead of getting crowned and getting captain to the fans I never let you down again, I'm back I promise to never go back on the promise In fact, let's be honest, the last we left CD was there Perhaps I run the max sense into the ground Relax, I ain't going back to that now All I'm trying to say is get back, kaboom, wow And the first 19 times I heard that song, you singing it, you rapping it, I was moved. I had butterflies on my stomach and uh, goosebumps all over my body. Walk us through, Sparsh, some of the lines from that, from that song. Like, wh- which ones really jump off the page at you? Actually, like, right from the get-go, you know, Eminem, he was like, what was it? Yeah, it's been a ride. I guess I had to go to that place to get to this one. Now, some of you might still be in that place. If you're trying to get out, just follow me. I'll take you there. Like, there can never be something more uplifting (laughs) to start a song than those kinds of encouraging words. And I think that's what really caught me. And then when he talks about how, you know, he he feels so powerful, he could lift the whole liquor bar up, he could, you know... um, He's gonna raise the roof off the uh, raise the roof off the stage, and the way he raises his roof, the roof off the stage is gonna raise his daughter. But with the commitment that he just has, that passionate fire, that's what got me. I know because I made it a clean version, you know. Right. I I changed the liquor bar line to it was something like I could lift a three, I could, I could lift a hundred pounder up. Yes. I said I could lift a hundred pounder up because like I I could understand what he was trying to say, you know. 
uh, that he was feeling so strong and so unstoppable. And that is what I loved about the song, that he was he felt unstoppable. And that song made me feel unstoppable. Sparse, you recorded that a couple years back. You sent it out into space. You hope a couple people are going to listen to it. You wake up on day two and it's 30 and day three, it's 100 and then it's 400. And today when you wake up, it's 75 million. What do you think it is about the way you interpret that song and sing it and rap it out that has the rest of us tuning in and sharing? I mean, I guess, first of all, it, it was clean. So I guess, you know, I, there would probably be a lot more views and a lot more kids and teenagers especially would like be able to watch it, which I'm really glad because as, you know, a rapper and my, and my stage name's Pure Rhythm, Pure Plus Rhythm, literally it's a fusion of the words. I've always believed that, you know, that, you know, it was never necessary to curse and rap in order to really inspire people, in order to, you know, share the same message. And so now that makes it accessible for everyone. And I think also because I added something very unique to it, which I like to call raga rap. Now, since I've been mm-hmm. learning Indian classical music for nine years and Western music for five, you know, Indian classical music was very integral to that song. I started with an alap, which is defined as the exposition of a rag, which is, I guess, akin to like a kind of scale in Western music, but it's much more complicated. It is the exposition of a rag without rhythmic accompaniment. That's basically what I did. It's basically like a lot of verse and runs. But wait, wait, can you give us an songs, example? Because like for most of us listening, we don't, it's hard to really track with that. So what do you, when you're saying this, what do you mean? I mean, for example, like the alab that I start not afraid with is, finding out the chords of Not Afraid, and it just came to me. And I feel like that described the whole song in a nutshell. It was an exposition of the song without rhythmic accompaniment. Mm. And so I guess that might have also caught the ears of a lot of listeners. Mm -hmm. And I actually experimented with this new genre of mine, Raga Rap, throughout the entire album that I made of Eminem songs after Not Afraid, which is tribute to Eminem. So, you know, with that... I was figuring, I guess you could say I was developing my very unique identity as an artist. And, you know, even though I was doing covers, you know, you can always spice up, you know, the yes. old dish. Well, you've, you've spiced it up and it's, it's gone viral. Now people are learning about you. You've performed live many times. And from what I can see, probably the, the most incredible experience, and correct me if I'm wrong, is at the Madison Square Gardens. Oh, yes. This is definitely one of my most um, amazing experiences. Yes. So, Sparsh, you know, most of us are familiar with Madison Square Gardens. It's a pretty big house in New York City. Why are you there? Tell me, tell me what you're going to do there. Every time I went to Madison Square Garden, I mean, they mostly just, they called me there to sing the national anthem. <laughs> For all the Knicks games, I would come and sing the Star Spangled Banner. And one time I also went to a Harlem Globetrotters game, which I was invited for because I had won the their Junior Phenom Award. I was invited to sing God Bless America at halftime. And 
it was a really, um, really amazing experience. It was just, it was mind-blowing singing in front of, you know, 20,000 people. I had grown up thinking Madison Square Garden was like the biggest house on earth. And yes, it is. It is a very big house. And every time I go there, I still feel like overwhelmed in a positive way mm-hmm. about how big that stage is because the energy is so great. The bigger the stage is, usually the energy is much greater. And I think you would know that even better than I because you speak at a lot of places. I loved dinosaurs when I was younger. And there was this Walking with Dinosaurs show that used to be on Madison Square Garden. I always wanted to go, but I never went. But the way that they portrayed Madison Square Garden was like this huge, gigantic place. Mm-hmm. I can't, I was expecting to come into that stage very scared. And the weirdest thing happens. I go into the stage the first time and I'm like, I surprised myself by thinking this is it. <laughs> and I was like, I was surprised by my own reaction. And I was like, I am so ready to sing in front of all these people. And it was good that I had other experience on my hand as well. I've sung also in Times Square and other even bigger venues. So I was like, wow, you know, it's just an amazing experience. Every time I go there, everybody's really nice, you know, and the atmosphere is amazing. It really empowers me. Well, I think that, that what you may not know, and I hope you are beginning to recognize it, is just how much you empower everyone else. As you roll into a room, the room itself changes every time, Sparsh, and it, it is inspirational to see it. It's inspirational to be a part of it. And now today it's inspirational to share it with our listeners. You, uh, it, well, it's, it's, that is a fact. And so uh, you also gave a TED Talk, which had to be very, very moving and challenging because you got to prepare for it and you got to deliver this message and you got a limited amount of time. Yeah. When people left that TED Talk, because most of us who speak start with the end in mind. You know you want them to take one or two ideas away. What what are you hoping that the listeners for that TED Talk might have heard? I just hope that, you know, the four steps that I talk about in my TED Talk, it was how to how I turned impossible into I'm possible in my life and how you can do it too. So mm-hmm. in that TED Talk, I explained four key points, which were to find your passion, never hold yourself back, help others, and dream big. And all I hope is that You know, at the end of the day, if anyone listens to my TED Talk, they can use those four steps in life to, you know, really, really turn around their lives and view every situation as positive. You know, instead of thinking that the tunnel is dark and that's all you see, try and dig out and you may find the light in the other tunnel. All I tried to give them, you know, is the shovel to dig themselves out. Because, well, if you really believe it, I, I believe you can achieve it. Sparsh, for you personally, is the physical stuff harder or dealing with the emotional side of the physical stuff harder? I think it's both because, I mean, physically, it's very unpredictable. Physically, it's very unpredictable. I could have like, first of all, I never know when I'm going to get a fracture. And and though I try my best to, you know, keep myself, uh, you know, safe, a lot of times, People like me get fractures doing the most mundane of things. Like I threw something at my brother. I threw a jacket at my brother because he was angry. And I literally tore my humerus in two, mm. like broke my humerus in two. I oftentimes, you know, when I'm shifting in my chair or just, you know, like just doing regular stuff, I get hurt. So number one, not only is it unpredictable when I'll get a fracture, but it's also unpredictable what kind of fracture, how much it'll hurt. I can get a hairline fracture 
and basically get through almost a whole day without a cast because it doesn't hurt that much to like, like I said, when I threw that jacket at my brother, cause I was angry at him. Like it felt like fire was eating at my right. bone. It was actually that bad. And also, you know, I've gone through a lot of surgeries. So I've had like eight rods and 22 screws put in my body, like 19 screws, two rods alone in my back. Right. I had a spinal fusion on August of last year. So like 2017. So it was very, you know, very unpredictable. But I say emotionally, I guess it's a little less harder to deal with simply because, I mean, when you know you've got a fracture, what can you do about it? You know, you can't right. just, you can't just like snap your finger and then your bones are healed and then that's it. You know, you just gotta, you just gotta keep, keep fighting and just keep, keep pushing through. You would know that even better than I do, Mr. John, because <laughs> it, like you would probably know that so much better than I do because you had your whole body burned head to toe. Well, we're learning it. Really I think we're learning it together, Sparsh. So I'm curious. I look up to you. I know a whole lot of other individuals around our country and around the world actually look up to you. They love the voice that you bring and speak and sing. Who are who do you look up to? Who are some inspirations for you? Well, first of all, definitely you. Definitely you, Mr. John. You were definitely one of my inspirations. As soon as Dad told me about your story, I was just he showed me like um a version of your keynote speech. And I had actually seen, I was like, wow, I couldn't believe, you know, my dad told me about it. And then I saw it myself. I saw you speak and it just really moved me. I don't, I I can't explain it, but it moved me. So you definitely inspired me because I see that resilience in you, Mr. John. And not just you, but I like to say, you know, everybody inspires me in one way or another because everybody has different experiences different backgrounds. We all bring something different to the table, right? Yes. So everybody inspires me in one way or another. My f- and But most importantly, you know, my family has inspired me. Without the out- positive outlook they've given me, I wouldn't be the positively, you know, I wouldn't have the positive attitude I had today. My fans inspire me. My friends inspire me because they support me through my rough times. I remember when I had my spinal fusion, I had you know, just the next day after surgery, my dad asked me how I was feeling. To, in fact, half of my own surprise, I said I felt empowered. Mm. And my dad said, do you know how many people have been praying for you over the past, like, day after I told them that you were going through the surgery? You know how many people have been, like, hoping that you will get better and wishing you? And I was like, wow, I guess it's no coincidence, you know? You know, I've been followed by a 100 countries now, so I guess <laughs> you could say... So small, you know, my, my support system has been really, really big in, in more ways than one. And finally, of course, I would say, you know, God inspires me because, hey, you know, if I didn't go through, you know, if he didn't spare me from the 40 factors that I had when I was born, and if my mom and dad hadn't been, you know, hadn't taken the decisions they made, I feel like so much of my life is so much divine intervention because I, like, I just knew, I know, like, God put me here for a purpose. So if he put me here for a purpose, I've got to do all that I can to do justice to what he gave me, you know? So that is what I truly believe. Well, what your mother saw in your eyes uh, 15 long years ago, we see in your eyes and we hear in your voice today. And it is an incredibly inspiring life that you lead. And it's not an easy one, but it's incredibly inspiring. 
before I, I shift gears into what we call the Live Inspired 7, Sparsh, I'm curious, what would you say to someone right now who is listening to this and they're just struggling, man? The light that you still have in your eyes has kind of faded from theirs. What advice might you give? At the end of every tunnel, there is light. But if we focus on the darkness, right? Darkness is just absence of light. If we just focus on the darkness, how will we ever be able to see light? If we worry about the fact that the light is not there, then we can never dig ourselves out and see the light that is in the other side. You know, when you did tunnels, right? You may um, start at one place, but when you, you have to like take out, you know, when you dig a hole, right? When you dig a hole down someplace and then you dig a hole out the other end, you don't see the light until you dig out the dirt mm-hmm. that's at the top of the grass, right? Mm-hmm. So all I would say is that if you want to turn, you know, those walls into, into tunnels of light, all you have to do is dig. It may be very hard. I um, And hey, look, we all go through it, right? It's very hard, but all we have to do is, you know, just kind of be like Dorsey, you know, just keep digging, just keep digging, just keep digging. You know, I've always believed when, when, when one door closes, you know, another one opens. But, you know, uh, oftentimes we look so hard and long and regretfully at that closed door, we forget that there was a door open for us. And, you know, sometimes maybe the doors that are closed in our life, maybe they're just closed so that we can open them again. You never know. So I would always say that no matter how many closed doors we have in life, it's so much better to focus on opening the, the doors that are open and opening those doors. Because why, why, why waste your life in sadness when we can enjoy a life of happiness? Why waste your life in the past? when we can think about what to do now so that it can give us a greater future. The past is history. The future is a mystery. The present is the greatest gift we can receive. Well, those are some wise words coming to you, wrapping to you right now from Sparsh Shaw. Sparsh, we're going to shift gears a little bit into what we call the Live Inspired Seven. Every great rapper and musician and uh, leader that I've ever had the pleasure of interviewing has been asked some form of these questions. So question number one for you, my friend, what is the best book you've ever read? The best book I've ever read. Ooh. I think one of the best books I've ever read would probably be How to Win Friends and Influence <laughs> People. I have not exactly like read it. It was more like an audiobook. Uh-huh. But because my dad loved when I was little, my dad and I used to listen to audiobooks from the car and while we were driving to the hospital for my treatment. And so you know, he would put these kind of stuff, how to win friends and influence people, the seven habits of highly affected people. For ninth grade, uh, for my ninth grade English class, I had to read the seven habits of highly effective teens. I feel like all of those books are really great because they inspired me to, you know, become a better person and just become a better personality in life. Those are some of the best books that I've read in my life. Sparsh, what's one positive characteristic, one trait that you possess when you were a little child, a little kid, that you wish you had and exhibited as brilliantly today? Ooh, I would say just resilience mm. and optimism. Because I know, you know, when I was, it, it was, I, you know, I don't know how to say this. My dad always tells me, you know, how I was so bubbly. And so, you know, I used to have, my dad said I used to have like a smile that would light up anybody's face. 
as soon as they walked in and they saw me, like when I used to smile, like that's what would happen. I only hope that I do the same, but you know, some, sometimes the storms of life interview, intervene on our, you know, daily scheduled programming. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, it can, sometimes it can kind of weigh, weigh on you, you know, it weighs on everybody. We all go through storms, but I honestly feel like if I had that brightness, if I have the really the amount of resilience and the amount of positivity that I had when I was little, that same, you know, spirit that I had, I feel like the way I get through life would be so, so much better, you know? So I try to do that every day. I hear what you're saying. What I would suggest those, if you had any more optimism, any more resiliency or any more brightness, you you would burn down the rooms that you walk into because you... (laughs) You exude it and it's contagious and I will hope and pray you don't lose it. But brother, you, you have it in spades. So question number three is if your home caught fire and all living things, your parents, your pets, your brother, every, everybody's out and you have an opportunity to roll in and grab one item, what would you grab? If I had the opportunity to roll in and grab in one thing, what would that be? Just one item from your house. One item. My MacBook. <laughs> I hear you. If you could sit on a bench overlooking a beach and have a long conversation with anyone, Sparsh, living or dead, who would you visit with? Living or dead. If I could visit anybody, hmm, I'd probably visit Jesus. What would the first question across the bow be? What would you want to know first? Oh, snap. I am not prepared for this question. <laughs> what is the first thing I would ask Jesus if I met him and we talked on the beach? Man, um, you know what? This is what I would ask him. How and why is it that the life is so, so imperfect? You made it perfect the way it is. That's what I would ask him. How is it that in life, though it is so imperfect for each of us, you designed it so perfectly Mm. because i feel like every single thing in life every single thing in life we may all have imperfect you know lives and i I told this to my chemistry teacher once that you know like in math and stuff when we do problems you know we oftentimes get what teachers call ugly answers so they tell us to round to the nearest digit you know Mm -hmm. but at the same time those answers may look ugly to us. They look imperfect, but at the same time, they're very perfect because they extend to an infinite number of digits, right? So it's perfectly imperfect. So in the same way, I've realized that in life, you know, I've realized that in life, things, we may go through, we may all be imperfect. We may all, you know, um, fall, but at the same time, life is designed so perfectly. You know, we meet people at such right times. Right. And that's why, you know, I believe, you know, they say in Hebrew, coincidence is not a word. And I truly, I truly understand that because I've never believed in anything in life is a coincidence. That is what I would ask Jesus if we sat on the beach. Because I've seen that in life, everything is imperfect, yet perfect. I would just ask him, how is that so? How do they square up? So tell me, what, what is the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I've ever received? I think it's just that, you know, the advice I received from my parents growing up that, you know, I wouldn't say, it was, I can't really point it back to a speech or a certain time in my life, but just the way that my parents raised me and they told me that, you know, no matter how anything 
no matter what happens in your life, you know, never, ever, ever give up on your passion. The way I told you before, Mr. John, about how my mom told me that no matter how many bones you break in your life, your voice will never break. And how, you know, when she told me about that twinkle in the eye story when I was little, over and over again, she would always tell me you could do anything in life because I truly believe that you have come here for a reason. I think without the that attitude, without that advice that I could that I should never hold myself back in anything I do, but give 110% effort, I would not be the hardworking person and the, you know, the diligent and the honest person that I am today. I just wouldn't be. For sure. Because that, I think that's it. That's the best advice I've ever received. Never hold yourself back in anything. You know, I I read my friend my friend's shirt actually. Wisdom comes from the craziest places, right? Like my friend's shirt read this. It said, "Hard work beats talent. When talent doesn't work hard." I was like, "That's so true." That you know, if we don't work hard, then the gifts that we are used are just gonna rust. Right. I may have been, you know, God may have given me silver, but now it's my it's my I have to refine it. You know, well, man, if you- I don't refine it, silver just it's just gonna rust. You have been refining it. So I think it's going to lead us perfectly to the final question, which is, it has been said that all great people, all great rappers, all great leaders, and you are certainly one of them, my friend, can have their lives summed up in one sentence. How would you like your one sentence to read? My one sentence. Yeah. I think my one sentence would be, though I struggled, I persevered. Though I con- though I faltered, I conquered. So I, 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 I don't know. I feel like my one sentence would probably just be, though I, though I struggled, I, I refused to suffer. And because I refused to suffer, I conquered. That's my sentence. Though I struggled, I did not, I refused to suffer. And because I refused to suffer, I conquered. Well, my friend, you have struggled, you have overcome, you have conquered, you are teaching the rest of us how to follow suit, how to get in line behind you, digging, keep digging, whether you're stuck behind Shawshank and you need redemption, or you are just in a dark place in life right now, keep digging. And then finally, our friend Eminem, and now our new friend Sparshav reminds us to not be afraid uh, to go through life with some challenges, with some difficulties, but to not give into it to rise above it and to uh, not have, not have fear. So Sparsha, this has been a delight, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Actually, if you don't mind me asking, I don't mean to do this last minute, but is it okay if I ask you a question? Hold on. Let me ask our, our studio audience. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Uh, they're looking at me. It's my producer and he is saying, yes, he's saying, yeah, we can, we can take a question live right now. So let's do it. My question is this. What was, I know that you talk about it all the time, but I'm just wondering what exactly that moment you were in the hospital room and Mr. Jack Buck hmm. comes to you and he says, King, keep <laughs> fighting. Cause you said, you just mentioned keep digging. And it immediately reminded me of that. What I just, I wanted to know personally, what was going through your head at the time that he said that? Cause I know you were conscious when you heard that you said that. And I was like, what what was going through your head and what what in his in his words or in that moment made you inspired to keep fighting? Wow. I really wanted to know that. Well, this is going to be a fun way to wrap up our podcast. So uh, Sparsh is asking about when Jack Buck, the great radio announcer for the St. Louis Cardinals, came into my life 
when I was nine years old in a hospital bed in total darkness, literally could not see, could not move, could not talk, could hear. And then I hear this man say, basically keep digging. Now he said, keep fighting. And then he talked about John O'Leary day at the ballpark. But when I heard those words the first time, what they brought forward to me was my focus had been all in the darkness, like you challenging the rest of us. I had been focused all around me on all the darkness and there was very little light for me back then. And then my friend came in who I'd never met before, but whose voice I was very familiar with. And then those words came in and then that light came in and then the, the, the pathway forward was clear, keep fighting. And it became even more clear when he came back the following day and the following day for five months. And what you have reminded us today, Spark Shaw, and what we are encouraged to remind those around us is that we need voices from time to time to say, keep digging. You're not done. The light coming towards you is not a train. It's hope. And you got to fight. You got to dig. You got to move toward it, but you got to believe it's possible. And so you have done that for us today. My friends, I hope you feel as elevated leaving this podcast as I do. Sparsh, you are uh, a titan of a human being, and we are lucky to call you our friend. Oh, thank you so much. I, you are also, Mr. John, I would definitely also say you are a titan and also <laughs> way more than that. Really, thank you. Well, tell, tell your dad, thank you for tackling me. I, uh, he'll be hearing from my attorneys. My back still hurts a little bit from it, but uh, it was worth it because meeting his son <laughs> has been a gift. So uh, thank you, dad for sharing your son with us. And listeners, thank you for sharing part of your day with us. That was Sparsh Shaw. I am John O'Leary. And today is your day. Listeners, live inspired. Keep digging. Well, guys, if you enjoyed this discussion as much as I did, don't miss my Monday motivation essay. I'll reflect on my main takeaway from today's discussion and send it directly to your inbox so that you can begin your week just right. I want you to go right now and sign up at johnolearyinspires.com forward slash Monday hyphen motivation. One more time, it's johnolearyinspires.com forward slash Monday hyphen motivation. I'll include a link in the show notes. See you there.